Omen kind of pulled a bait and switch, I have to say, because we, yeah, well, we did see that, but they said nothing about quality, nothing at all. I don't know why. So, but what we found is that our quality metrics improved as we're going through this process, focusing on these other measures. This is the Coleman Associate Innovation Podcast. Innovation? Yeah, innovation, new, original, and creative. This podcast is designed to challenge the way you think about how healthcare is delivered. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. If you haven't already done so, please take your seat and fasten your seatbelt. Welcome to the Coleman Associates Innovation Podcast, the podcast that brings innovations and best practices in healthcare to your podcasting app. I'm Adrian, your host, and today I'm excited to be with the leadership team of FHN, a community health center in New York, who recently graduated from the Care Team of the Future Collaborative, and we're going to talk a little bit about their quality program and what they've been working on. So, FHN team, do you want to introduce yourselves? Hi, everybody. My name is Kim Osborne. I'm the CEO here at Family Health Network. I'm Doug Runner. I'm the Chief Medical Officer, and I'm a family doc. And I'm Nicole Villapiano. I am a primary care internal medicine doc and pediatrician. Lauren Osborne, Chief Quality Officer here at Family Health Network. I'm Karen Hoppe. I'm the Chief Operating Officer here at Family Health Network. So can you all just talk first about how we met each other and the process that you all have been through in the last year or so and kind of what you've been working on with that? Well, we got started with Coleman as part of the larger cohort of health centers in New York State through our state primary care association, which is known as Chicanies. And we decided to jump on board with your dramatic performance improvement program. And that's how we got started with Coleman. And we kind of continue with it. Yeah. Is there anything anybody else would like to add? It's okay if not. I just want to double check. We are continuing to roll it out. We started at our largest site and based on how well it has worked and the feedback and all the data that we've collected, we are beginning our rollout to the smaller sites right now and it's going very well. Great. So the reason I asked you to join me here today is that a few months ago, I got an email from you, Dr. Ronner, and from Dr. V. And just so everyone on the podcast audience knows, sometimes we call Dr. Ronner Dougie Fresh. So if you hear that, that's why. But they emailed me about their quality results, which I thought was really exciting because, and you all might be able to attest to this, but a lot of times the concern is if we're going through a process like this is, are we just going to turn patients into like a cookie cutter process where we get them in and out and questions about quality, right? So do you do you all want to speak to that a little bit about what some of those concerns can be and then what you found? Oh, sure. So when we started going down this path of, of dramatic performance improvement, there are a few things that Coleman really talked about. It was decreasing our cycle time. That's time when the patient walks in the door until they walk out. Increasing our chart completion for providers, which is huge because we're really combating provider burnout and we want people to go home, have their work done and have a life, okay? And then we wanted to decrease 
are no shows or or in in Coleman speak missed opportunities so that we were seeing the patients that were scheduling or at least seeing some patients so that we get pay, people in and we said this is all things we want and and really need to work on so we jumped on board and i have to say Coleman kind of pulled a bait and switch i have to say because we yeah well we did see that but they said nothing about quality nothing at all I don't know why. So, but what we found is that our quality metrics improved as we're going through this process, focusing on these other measures. And that was sort of like mind blowing for us. And so we started really looking at this, what's going on here. And through our chief quality officer, she, she generated some numbers, which were really interesting. And then we've, we've seen more numbers since then. So we can go into what those numbers look like, but that's that's my take. So I will add a piece to Dougie Fresh's little narrative there. So we have been for eight, nine years really working to build our quality department here and our program. And so we have been using our pre-visit planning or PVP reports for close to a decade, but with lots of continued education and a follow-through and growing our care coordination team, we have struggled with actually seeing some movement on our quality metrics and our use and utilization of the PPP report. But through the implementation of the DPI model, what we now call the FHN model of care, using and really channeling those puzzle pieces, it really has improved the use of the PPP report and what it's positively reflecting and what our quality metrics are looking like. So so we're happy with what our progress is looking like, and we anticipate things to keep improving as we are rolling out amongst organization-wide. Ask uh, Dr. Villapiano, Dr. V, the whole huddle concept. We've been doing huddles at the beginning of the cl- clinical day for a long time as well, probably 10 years. And once we started doing them in a different way, a la Coleman, if you will, it, it was it fundamentally changed. And I think... This really made an impact for Dr. Villapiano. Could you talk to about that? Sure. Yeah. So I was an original member of our DPI team. And when I first started with Coleman, you know, I will say I think I had the the skepticism that a lot of physicians share about the goals and thinking about, okay, we're trying to reduce cycle time. How am I supposed to get all of these quality metrics checked off my list? by getting the patient in and out in a quicker way. It felt to me kind of like this This seems like an impossible task. And in fact, what I really need is more time with the patient. But the, the Coleman model flips that on its head and of course is really oriented towards optimizing team-based care. And in what Dr. Rauner is talking about, our DPI model changed the way that we ran our huddles 100%. What, what we used to do is we would have pre-visit planning report generated by Azara that listed out all of our quality metrics for any given patient coming in that day that had gaps that needed to be filled. And in the past, the huddles would be run by usually the provider, and it would just kind of look like a running of the list of the patients coming in without any clear directives or orders or kind of action being taken at the time of the huddle. Often team members were not present at the huddle or the the crucial team members were 
split between providers at the time of the huddle. So there wasn't all of the right people in the room. And for me as a, as a doctor in this system, it kind of felt like an exercise in utility or futility rather. So what I ended up learning through the Coleman model was if we get all the right team players in the room at the same time and can take action on what we're noticing in our pre-visit planning report during the huddle by placing orders at that time, we were able to take a lot of things off my plate as a provider so that I could really focus on the patient's acute care needs during the visit. And all of the, the quality metrics were already on their way to being addressed by the fact that my my team was working to put those orders in and make sure that those those care things are or care quality metrics were being completed. I can speak to more exactly about how our huddle works in detail if you think that would be helpful, Adrian, or if you want to go a different direction with this, that's up to you. I definitely want to hear about it, but my guess is that there's a couple things I just want to clarify for listeners real quick. So one, I think earlier we mentioned what the puzzle pieces are. And so puzzle pieces are a term that we use at Coleman Associates to help figure out what are the best practices that the organization is going to roll out in order to be able to hit their goals. So any type of a puzzle piece is really just thinking about like a best practice that we've developed like a a description of, there's like a protocol around how to do it. And then I was wondering if you all could share what your wild and crazy goals were so that folks just have a sense or are so that folks have a sense of what you're talking about in terms of a cycle time and missed opportunity goal. Our wild and crazy goals as we started this process, and that was with some input from Coleman, is we wanted our cycle times to be 35 minutes. Okay, on average. So that was that. We wanted less than one missed opportunity per clinic session. Missed opportunity is when you had that blank face on your schedule where there was a cancellation or no show and it was not filled. And then we had chart completion metric. And so we wanted 75% of our charts completed within that day and then 100% done within 48 hours. And just to clarify for listeners, so cycle time is from the moment that patients walk in the door until the moment that they leave, or for telehealth visits is from when they log on or when their appointment starts, whichever is first, until they're all set with the visit. And whenever we're talking about charting completion, you're talking about 75% completed by the end of the scheduled shift, not like doing them in your pajamas at midnight that day. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What was your reaction, even though I know you all are the ones who set those goals, what were you thinking when you first set them? Like, did that seem doable to you? Nope. 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 We're following Coleman. No, Coleman said, think big, stretch, stretch, go ahead. Okay. Be wild, be crazy, crazy. Okay, yes. We definitely all were really, the goals that we made even made us go, wow, holy moly. Are we going to be able to do this? But what we did and the reason for making those specific goals is we kind of looked at the things that were troubling us as an organization, staff satisfaction, provider satisfaction, burnout, productivity, financials. And so that's kind of what that's what we honed in on when we were really thinking about what goals we wanted to put in concrete. Absolutely. And so 
I don't want to keep our listeners on the edge of their seats too much longer. So can you tell us about what your data looks like now, including what your quality data looks like? Okay. So th- I'll, I'll talk about quality and then we'll pull up some of our other data. One of the things that we looked at is when we were operating with three care teams under this model, we took a look at our gaps in care closure. Those are the things on our pre-visit planning reports that were sort of open for each visit. And we took a look at a snapshot for each of our care teams and see how we did pre and post implementation of DPI. And it was really dramatic. For Dr. Villapiano's team, the BB squad, the gaps in care closure pre-Coleman was 17% in, in this snapshot. Post-Coleman implementation, it was 64%. This is after one visit. For my care team, we were started at 27%. We went up to 76% closures. Okay. And then we had another team with a provider called the Rebel Squad, by the way, and, and that kind of fits. They were at 44% closure and then post-implementation, 82% closure. So just that little snapshot told us that something really interesting was going on. Data, for to see large-scale shifts in quality metrics takes a while because patients have to come in, et cetera. So this was a way to get a, a very short, like, oh, things are happening that were not happening before. We're, we're addressing things that were not happening before, okay? And why we think that's so is, is kind of an interesting story. I think we have a couple different takes on that. The other thing, as we've been doing this longer, so we had a longer chance to see the overall shift in metrics as we look at our UDS measures. That's the stuff we have to report to HRSA on. Most health centers are very well aware of this. So we looked at a few different things. For our colorectal cancer screening, and this is comparing a quarter's worth of quality data a year apart. So we're looking at the first quarter of 2022 and then the first quarter of 2023, okay? So pre and post. So we saw for Dr. Villapiano an 11% increase in screening. For the Rebel Squad, 1.4% increase in screening, not so much. Breast cancer screening. Dr. Villapiano's team went up 33% in a year. Nikki Stroff's team, the Rebel Squad, 13.9% increase in a year. HIV screening. Dr. Villapiano, 25% increase. Myself, 10% increase. Nikki Stroff, a 3% increase. And then looking at our diabetes measure, that is, A1Cs less than nine or untested. And this is an inverted measure where the lower the number, the better. So there was a full point decrease for Dr. Nano. For myself, there was an 8% increase, decrease. I went from 23% of my patients with A1Cs nine or above or untested down to 14.8. And then Rebel Squad went from 25.9 to 15.5. Really huge, dramatic differences. We've never seen changes like this in a year for, for some of these measures. Okay. So so it it, it makes my jaw drop just, just thinking about that. Okay. 
So what is so fantastic about this, among so many other things, similar to what Dr. Beek has already mentioned, is that now with this model spread across the entire care team, everyone is accountable for certain actions, and not all of it is falling to the provider. So different care team members are putting in the order. A different care team is actually drawing blood. A different care team member is actually calling to schedule that mammogram. A different member is getting our court to make sure it's in there. So everybody plays a really important role from start to finish to make sure that we're closing those care gaps, which really wasn't happening 100% of the time before. That's incredible data and wow. So, and I just want to be clear. So you saw these quality improvements like that, which are, you know, it's always interesting is because you kind of wonder like some, you know, some quality measures are like, it's, it's kind of, it can be kind of checking a box, like at least sending like a mammography referral or something like that. But to see the actual A1Cs of your patients decrease really is like a very outcome, like patient yeah. outcome, patient health outcome based yeah. measure. And seeing actual health improve is pretty incredible. Are you in a place where you're ready to share some of the operational data? Yeah. So when it comes to data collection, data reporting out on the data, having one location where it's all kept and we all have access to it, we have, with the amazing help of Adrian, created a Google Doc for leadership team and others. So we have one place to go to. We pull it up and on a weekly basis, we're checking it daily. Data is being entered into it daily, but on a weekly basis, the senior leadership team, we are all delegated a certain week where we're responsible for sending out feedback to all staff. It's not going to just the sites that are completing the work, but to all staff so everyone is aware of what is happening within this model. So we review the the data, the weekly averages, and then we report back on it. So for the week of 529, our average cycle time was 48 minutes. Our average no-show rate was 9.2. Our average patient per hour is 2.5. And our average chart completion was 84.24. So, you know, we're not exactly meeting those wild and crazy goals but we're way better than where we were before, okay, before starting this whole process and for these operational metrics. And we continue to review the processes and ensure that everybody that's on the team is following those puzzle pieces and is staying within the Coleman model, which we call now the FHI model of care. You know, and if there's any deviation, why is there deviation? Why are we not hitting these metrics this week? Why is there such a shift from one week to the next? And then supporting the team, figuring out the best way to to ensure that that model continues to flow the way it should so that we do meet the goals, so that we do continue to see the, the change in the metrics and that, you know, this this model that we've implemented is successful. I, I want to say that, that one of the things that we're noticing is in those teams where there is real fidelity to the model, we're seeing better metrics. We're seeing better outcomes. Okay, in those teams that are struggling with it, or maybe one person on that team is struggling and not quite getting all of it, we're definitely seeing that those numbers do not look quite as good. Okay. 
And sometimes you have to scratch your head, okay, why is this person still having issues? And then it goes back to all the whole art of management of, okay, how do, how do we get people from, from A to B? So I want to add just a piece to our plan for sustainability of this model. So in conjunction with the data collection, data reporting, we're trying to really come up with a process where we are still very active and present at the sites, which which we are. So senior leadership and site managers are present at the sites at the time of puddles. And the point of this is to make sure that the workflow is really being carried out the way that it was intended to. So everybody's coming to work on time. Um, everybody that is supposed to be present at the huddle is there. Everybody is prepared for the huddle. We're having productive conversations. And when we're not, you know, in areas that may be lacking, we want to be there to support and kind of hook these staff up with the, the correct support. So Dr. V has done coaching for other providers as well as Dr. Ronner. And so we're just making sure that everyone understands exactly the role that they play and what they can do to improve what they're doing. Yeah. And so so I just want to be clear, like what I hear in your data is you basically have like lunch hour appointments now, right? That's the way I think about it, right? Is can I come in on a lunch hour and be in and out on time, right? Less than 60 minutes, right? Did you say 40 or 48 minutes? It was a little hard to hear. It was 48. 48. Okay. So still still under a lunch hour appointment, you've seen an increase in productivity and folks are getting their charts completed at work more than they are at home. It seems yeah. kind of counterintuitive that you can see more patients and do it faster and have higher quality measures. So my guess is that some folks in our audience are thinking, well, these guys must not have had any staffing challenges. Great question. <laughs> that's adorable. Can you answer that for folks? I think that's a COO question. I would agree. Okay. I would say our number one challenge throughout this entire process has been staffing. It, you know, we have had turnover. We've had people out with COVID. And when I say out with COVID, I mean potentially the entire clinic out with COVID all at the same time, trying to, to backfill from other clinics that have no DPI training, but we still wanted to do, you know, our, our home and puzzle pieces. We still wanted to, to run with that. So there were absolutely so many staffing problems and trying to keep assistant teams for our care teams has been a, a real struggle and it still is it, it is but the goal the goal remains the goal which is to to come in every day and ensure that we can do the best that we can and and know that we're creating the best care teams with the best staff and doing the best we can for that day so that's been kind of our our mantra throughout this whole process. One word is popping into my right now, and that's ownership, okay? I, I spent some time yesterday at the site that we just started DPI a number of weeks ago. We start, we had their go-live date, and then everyone clinic got COVID like the next week. Bam, okay. So, and then they're coming back together, and I, I, I stopped in at the beginning of the day to see how things were going. And what was impressive to me 
is that the care team really had ownership over what was going on. They were not just going through the motions. They were absolutely engaged with this whole process and talking back and forth with each other as far as who needs what patients may be roadblocks, what patients are likely to no-show, and what do we do about that? How, do, how are we going to get these records on that hospital follow-up? And, and there was this constant communication amongst the team members, which was without the provider, actually. The provider was was held up by another patient. And I was impressed at just how proactive everyone was being. And that's really the key, I think, is why this works in both on the operational side, but also on the quality side, is because you're having all that mental work is being done by a lot more people. It ain't just the provider. And so I think that's why it, it works because you have more brains working on this. My yeah. brain's a little tired anyway. So, and I wonder, Dr. V, if you want to come in here as kind of the expert on the ground, is like, what were those puzzle pieces that you think have made this difference? Yeah. For in terms of quality metrics, I think that the, the key puzzle pieces for us were having strong visit prep, robust calls, and huddles. Those three things I think really have made the biggest difference for me in making sure that my my quality data is soaring compared to where it used to be. Visit prep, that comes into play where uh, before our patients are seen in the office, my nurse is reviewing their chart. They're seeing what I did with them last time, but they're also reviewing those gaps in care on the pre-visit planning report and making a note of them already. So that when they call the patient on the robust call, they are able to talk with the patient about, hey, Dr. V sees that you're out of date with your colorectal cancer screening. Can we get that ordered up for you? Or it looks like you need a mammogram. Can I get you scheduled for that? So they have the ability to get the ball rolling already in that in that robust call phase, which is usually a day or two before the visit. So then when I come into the picture at the time of the huddle on the morning of their their visit, we can make sure that we already know what the patient will consent to, and we can kind of close the loop on getting that care gap ordered and and scheduled for the patient. So it's been a really helpful tool to have my nurses be working in that capacity and helping me make sure that we're identifying care gaps and getting data in the system that will will help us close the gaps. Another thing that we've we've noticed through this process is that often patients already have, for example, had their colonoscopy, but for whatever reason, our system did not pick up on that. And we needed to essentially check a box within our EHR to make that go into the, the completed bin of, of quality metrics. And so this process has been really helpful in that respect too, because of our care coordination team, which is taking the lead on making sure that all of the the boxes in the EHR are checked to reflect the care that we actually have provided it already. So they've been doing a great job there. Um, The huddle structure, again, as I mentioned earlier, has really been, I think, one of the key things in driving our quality data because we systematically go through the pre-visit planning report and put orders in at the time of the huddle for care gaps. We are not relying on the provider to remember it after the patient has come in and the provider is busy addressing all the patient's acute care needs. So other team members are working on that and they're helping me close the gap so I can really be present with the patient in in the visit and get a lot more work done that way. 
I'm wondering, Dr. V, I'm curious from your perspective in particular, but Dr. Dougie Fresh, you can feel free to weigh in here too, is what what has it been like to get your charts closed same day? Has that been a change? Like what what impact do you think that has? For me, it's everything. It's 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 the work-life balance that I always envisioned in my practice. It gives I think it's 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 twofold because I feel like I'm actually getting more work done and giving higher quality care to my patients when they're in the office. And then I'm actually completing my charts in a timely fashion. My my notes are better because they're being done in a, you know, in a more contemporaneous way to the patient visit, but I'm not bringing the work home. So I can be a mom and do all the other things that I have to do at home without having the burden of Tarts over my head and, you know, still being on the EHR at 11 o'clock at night, trying to close things out for the day. From a burnout standpoint, I think it makes all the difference in the world because you feel like you're you're doing a better job when you're at work and then you're not bringing the work home. I'll just say, I think my anxiety scores have gone down. Yeah. I was thinking we should start administering that to like the clinical leadership pre and post DPI. I don't know if that'd be ethical, but it would be fun. Yes. And so just so I'm clear, because I think this is something that people often ask clinicians about is so so in the DPI process, we just stand behind you with a whip and make you chart. Is that accurate? So for me, my experience is that I have time that is protected to chart using DPI. We went to a simplified patient schedule, which allows for blocks in our schedule where I don't have a patient that needs to be seen. So that time is often used for me to finish up any clinical documentation that I need. And we've really been working hard to fully implement the sheep and shepherd model that Coleman advocates, where my MA is protecting me from all of the other distractions that can come up during a clinical day so that I can focus on getting my clinical documentation completed before I move on to my next patient. So for me, it's just been a a systematic change where I don't go into my next patient's room before my note is completed and my MA is supporting me in that. Yeah. Anything anyone would add on that? I do stand behind Debbie Fresh with a whip. That's just for fun, though. I'm assuming. (laughs) She's German. Okay, that's all I need to know. That's all we need to know. And I think at this point, Dougie Fresh, you even have a sheep costume. Am I remembering that correctly? That is, in fact, correct. And since it is a podcast, so you don't have a visual, you just have to believe it is a full sheep costume, which I do wear at different occasions. And he bad. That's right. Excellent. <laughs> okay. Well, let me ask you all this. is So you've been through this whole process. You've come out on the other side, both alive, and I would argue thriving. And you're continuing to think about like where you go next with this stuff is... What advice would you have to our listeners who are either going through DPI or are thinking about it or just trying to implement some of these tactics on their own? Like, what advice would you have to, for folks? You're always going to run into snags, bumps in the road, et cetera, as you're going through this. And there will be times where you're discouraged and you have to kind of keep, keep doing it and just trust that if you are faithful to the model that you're going to get to a place where you didn't think you'd get to, okay? And then secondly is even when you're sort of there, you're not always there. So I think as a, as an organization, we continue to look. We, we're meeting on a weekly basis and looking what's going on. What do we need to do now? Are we slipping? You know, 
I've been doing this for 30 years in community health centers, and I've been parts of other improvement projects. It's sort of easy to get to the mountaintop, but then to sustain it is the real struggle. And there's just this natural tendency to sort of slide down the, the, the mountainside. And so we're, we continue to devote time, effort, and resources to making this work, okay, both in the places where we've established and then we're looking to move it to the rest of our health centers. And the cool thing is that we're currently in the process of migrating to a new electronic health record. And as we're working on the workflows for this new EHR, we're using it with the DPI model as our template, okay? Which is, it's, it's kind of driving some of the people that we're working with crazy. They're like, well, in DPI goes this way, but then we're not doing it everywhere, but we will be. But we're, we're making plans so that as we have this new system that we're really excited about, that it's going to really fit hand in glove with how we're functioning in, in real time. So, yeah. What about others? What's your advice? My advice would be to stay involved, stay present, and keep going. I think we found that there is always an excuse for something from anybody. And it's really just important to know that as you keep moving through this model, it is worth it. So there's going to be struggles and there's going to be those roadblocks and obstacles. But at the end of the day, the data speaks and it's really showing that it it works. Trust the process. And have fun too. We made it a point to try and have fun with this. We made wacky little poster boards and and we, we got our little t-shirts of D-pad coaches and you know songs and, 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 and sing songs and that stuff. Chief costumes. Right. We're very serious about patient care, but we don't really take ourselves that seriously. Gotta have fun with it. I think so. that's a fair line to draw. Dr. V, I'm wondering if you have any advice for providers who are hearing this stuff about a sheep costume and are like, what are these people talking about? (laughs) Okay. I would say everybody thought Dr. Ronner looked pretty great in the sheep costume. I, I, I think that, you know, overall the, the concept of being a sheep can be a little bit frightening for providers or maybe kind of upend the hierarchy or of how medical systems typically work. But for me, I found that it actually gives me the chance to be the kind of doctor that I want to be because I'm getting all of the extra stuff that doesn't require an MD behind your name off my plate. I'm being protected by my shepherd and I can just go into a room and focus on being the best doctor I can for my patients and and not having to do all the clicks to make sure that our quality metrics are satisfied and staying on top of the filling in our care gaps. So I'm all about being a sheep and I don't really care what you call it. This model works for me. And I think it's working really great with all of our, our team members. Is there anything else you all want to share that you want to get on your soapbox about before I do my, my closing? You want to celebrate uh, when, when you're working through this and this is a lot of hard work. I have no idea how many person hours we've spent on this. It's a lot of work, okay? But when you get to the point where, wow, look where we are now, you really want to celebrate that in some way, shape, or form. You know, life is too short. So have fun. 
Well, thank you so much to the FHN team for sharing their thoughts on how they've improved quality and operational metrics at the same time. And I love that quote from Dr. Villapiano about being being the kind of doctor that you want to be, because that's really what we want for all of our patients is for the folks that work in community health centers to be the best versions of themselves. We appreciate these guys' expertise and point of view on things. Their advice, I think, was both fun and helpful. So make sure that you like and subscribe to the Coleman Associates Innovation Podcast so that you never miss an episode. If you or someone you know should be interviewed for an episode, just shoot us an email at notify at colemanassociates.com or reach out to us on social media. To keep up with all the Chispa happenings, follow us on LinkedIn. I want to give a big shout out to Jonathan at Bionic Squid and Nikolai for all of their podcasting help. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>